What the heck is a life-threatening skin rash? Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's January 14, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 165. This is No Agenda. Practicing crippled epistemology and coming to you live from the Minimum Security Containment Cell Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation, West San Francisco, California. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where the sun is in my eyes, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Craig Blood and Buzzkill. In the morning. In the morning to you, John. In the morning to you. How you doing, my friend? Oh, not bad. Except for your Windows machine is uh, not cooperating. That's yeah, going okay now. I fixed it. Well, all right. So, uh... There's lots of news this week, I oh, guess we could talk no, about. Yeah, no kidding. Should we uh, start right off uh, with this week's executive producer? Yeah, and then I can also uh, bring up the fact that this is probably the worst week for donations we've had since the show started. Oh, excellent. That's that's real happy news, John. In the morning to you, you bastard. Uh, In the I morning. I, I think I know the reason why, but uh, we'll discuss it later. So our executive producer is... Uh, Joshua Judd in Tempe, Arizona, uh, $165. He's the executive producer, and I want to uh, read his note. Okay. I'm donating $165, $1 for every episode so far. I'm a college student oh. in Arizona, and I have a message for the ungrateful listeners. You guys get a hard time for at, when you ask for donations. Shut up. <laughs> I wouldn't care if you guys were billionaires. You do a quality show twice a week for free, and the least the listeners can do is quit complaining if they're not going to donate. Joshua Judd, Tempe, Arizona, and the kicker: you can add me to the to your count of vegan producers. Nice! Wow, an, an unexpected twist. Yeah, you know I don't get it personally why any vegan would be listening to us at all but well, okay well, you know that, it, it is interesting we have uh, we have multiple vegan listeners and uh, i think somehow they appreciate us john i'm not quite sure what it is by the way for the vegans out there uh who typically are animal lovers uh hank and dagny the uh, two pigeons this is now uh third generation uh, uh crackpot command center pigeon family are ready to fly and they are all, I've already got them on solid food. As you know, I feed them granola every morning. And uh, they're ready to go. They're ready to fly. They are flapping their wings. You know, those pigeons would just as soon peck your eyes out as look at you. <laughs> no, that's not true. So, you know, I have uh, Gretchen and I've still got, um, who do I have? I, so there's like three of them. And now they just, you know, when I come out in the morning, they literally, they hop up and they, uh, they're they on the balcony and they're chattering well, with me. And still in a handout like all pigeons do. Yeah, but but it's only them. They don't allow any other pigeons to come over. You know, crows are more interesting than pigeons. Yes, they are. But uh, did you pigeons... know that? Did you know that crows, besides the fact that they can recognize human faces, they not only hold a grudge. <laughs> yeah. In other words, if you're going to kill a crow, you better kill it. Yeah, because because he, he, they not only hold a grudge, but apparently they pass the information around to other crows in the murder. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but I think the pigeons have similar uh, communication skills. I really do. Anyway, um, so a big uh, thanks to Joshua Judd. Uh, breaks my heart. Well, it doesn't break my heart. It, it actually makes my heart glow that we've got a college kid here donating uh, 165 bucks and, uh, and, and recognizing value for value. I love that. 
Really appreciate it. You know that you can put this on your resume. I think you might actually be able to get extra credit for it at school. You should give it a shot. Talk to the well, dean. He's, in he's going to ASU, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we have no uh, associate executive producers. That was it? Yeah, well, you don't get him. I mean, if he's a 165 and he's an executive producer, he, he gave the most money. There, there's no $200 one. Otherwise, they'd be the executive producer, right. so you can't have any associates. Right. We do have a uh, – what did we say we would call this title, John? PR executive, which doesn't sound – No, PR associate. Oh, PR relations associate. Is that something that shows up on all, uh, on all regular – uh, credit I've rolls. It, yes, it's uh, usually uh, uh, one of the. If you have a public relations company, you have some newbies or interns or people that just work there part time. That's what their title would be for. Then they just do uh, spot work. Well, but but I mean, I want something that that is a real title. That you know, a That's credit a real title. Okay, this is a, this is a good credit, right? Because we have a, we have our very first official. You know, of course, we previously had. Uh, our producer call up uh, that uh, Boston uh, WTI no uh, Hartford WTIC radio station and slip in a noagendashow.com. Uh, but that was before we actually started with the official credit. So PR associate for this program is uh, Maynard, who I believe actually works for the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. And um, he doesn't fact- want us using his last name then. Oh, no, no. He even sent the, the web page where this interview appears with Lord, uh, Lord, um, Lord Mayor Tate, uh, who I think is the, um, affiliated with New South Wales. And it is an excellent exercise in, uh, in how you got to do this stuff. If you want to, you know, just like mind control is exercised upon us all the time and, uh, how um, uh, I can't believe that Mickey is Skyping me from Los Angeles when she knows we're doing the show. She's uh, doing it because she hates me. No, she doesn't care about the show. Oh, well, that's probably true. Hold All on your women have been that way. Hold on a second. Let me just. Oh, man. Is Skype going to crash on me? Please tell me no. Uh, Seems to be fine. No, no, no. I've got a spinning wheel of death right now. Are you still there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, hold Can on a second. Hold on a second. I am live on the show. She should be listening to the show and not Skyping. Yeah, she said she was going to listen to the show while she was in the gym. Ah, oh, hold on a second, John. This pissed me off. Hey, baby, I'm live on the show. Hello? Ah, uh. oh, this sucks. Now, of course, Skype crashed. What do you expect? You can't do that. You can't, you can't, you just can't do, you just can't do anything cool anymore. Now, if I can jack good old Johnny boy back on, back in. Oh, there we go. All right, you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you perfect. Oh, man, it's like, It's like I specifically said... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep griping. No, it, it pisses me off, and then when, and then Skype the crashes. That the thing even works at all. What? And I say the thing is this jerry rigged. No, it's not jerry rigged. Skype is shit. Skype is a piece of crap. It's deteriorating. I think. What is? Skype. Just the quality of the of the program itself. The pro- Skype program, not yeah. art. Yeah, yeah. All right. 
Okay, so go back to your tome. I'm sorry. Well, I don't know where I ended up because I got cut off somewhere along the way. But well, anyway, you got cut off where I said, hold on, I'll be right back. So uh, Maynard works for uh, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, and he was interviewing Lord, Lord Tate of New South Wales. And uh, listen to how he slips in not one, but two massive pieces of mind control and programming that will get more uh, Australians to listen to this program. Are you ready, John? You got you got to listen closely because he slips it in. It's beautiful. Go. Now, with parks around Newcastle, and by the way, I'm just talking to Mayor Tate for really no apparent reason. I've just met you many times through my work at the ABC, and I just thought I'd have a chat to you about being Lord Mayor with no real agenda. Actually, are you a bit of a no-agenda show person or not? Oh, no. Look, I um, certainly <laughs> have an agenda, uh, but I keep it. <laughs> Did you hear it? That was fantastic. I love it because, you know, he's this, this guy, this obvious, you know, this obvious uh, egomaniac, because they all are, is like, he's always oh, going to talk about my agenda. I've got to get get prepare my answer for about my agenda. You know, this is a... And he just, he launches right into it. But I'm going to play that again. Now, listen for the second piece, which is even funnier. A bit of a no agenda show person or not? Oh, no. Look, I uh, <laughs> certainly have an agenda, uh, but I keep it general uh, at times because I, my agenda is to fit in all of the competing needs and opinions. But occasionally there comes a time... Wait when for it. ...take a stand or express an opinion which may not be popular or be seen to be popular at the time, but you know it's the right decision, and that's what part of the job is. Uh, when you meet people out and about, do you find that most people have an agenda at night or most people would, would have an agenda in the morning? <laughs> no, look, uh, people will... <laughs> How good is that? I think that guy, he needs a special a special uh, award. I, that's, why I, that's why I'm asking you, you know. We have, well, it, make it public. Because uh, <laughs> you suspect he would slip that no, in the, the, no Jewish person in the morning. You have to make it, uh, let's see, if you say public relations associate with commendation. <laughs> okay, hold on, let me just write that down. <laughs> <laughs> that's so inside uh, uh, the, you know that's so inside baseball it's hilarious yeah but but this is one of our biggest memes and someone you know and pe- pe- this works this this is a subliminal and I, be- I really believe it works so we go hey I- i've heard that in the morning thing somewhere <laughs> we just listen to that the setup is beautiful and it's like it could not be taking the more piss out of this guy by doing this which i just love let me hear that last bit again and that's what part of the job is uh, when you meet people out and about do you find that most people have an agenda at night or most people would, would have an agenda in the morning <laughs> no look uh, people will often tell you about specific things and the question is so stupid do you have people have an agenda in the morning <laughs> the guy's like well let me tell you <laughs> well look the guy takes it like he just takes it as a as, like as a normal question <sighs> it's funny <laughs> Well, I, I think one it. of the things that we're doing, which is greeting each other within the morning as opposed to good morning, yeah, uh, I think could be a meme that people get identify fellow travelers. Oh, yes, as as you just yeah. pass by. And, uh, morning, and, in the morning, in the morning, yeah. in the morning. Yeah, it's kind of like our who is John Galt. Uh, you're, not, you're not buying that. No. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> All right. Well, did you know that uh, Anne Rand uh, was given the orders uh, to write that book uh, as part of a scheme to uh, 
as code by Philippe Rothschild when she was his mistress. Oh, really? Are you, are you talking about the book? By Ayn Rand. Yeah, in fact, I think uh, the Rothschilds also uh, ordered John Stossel to uh, do a, uh, a whole hour on the book. Ooh! He complied with their order. Let me just say one thing about this, because you're always scoffing me about uh, Atlas Shrugged. It's a fantastic book to read. I was talking about this book on this very show months, months before anyone else was bringing it up in mainstream television. Um, and uh, this whole objectivism thing, I don't give a crap about that. It's a great story. It's very relatable to today, the world we live in. And um, there's lots of hot sex scenes in it. It's a good book. It's very, it's a great, it's a great, it's a long ass read, but it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic book. And you just sit there, you go, huh? Wow. This is, this is like now, this is, this is the Obama yeah, administration. Yeah, it's, it's exactly like that. Gee, everybody's burning up their coal mines and, and heading up to the hills in Denver. And <laughs> no, just like now, it's exactly the same. <laughs> no, it's not, we're not quite at that part in the book yet, but that is next. That was the yeah, funny right. thing. That's, that, that's, that's fine. That fits in with the clip I have, by the way. Okay. Uh, let's go. Uh, the, one of the big things that, you know, the big news item and it's, and, and it borders on both real news and, and in the morning news, oh, uh, in the morning. is the announcement and then immediate, uh, appearance of Sarah Palin as the oh, Fox yeah, News yeah. analyst. Yes. She even said she's, but what was interesting about her announcement is she says she's happy to join the talent and management of Fox News. Oh, I didn't hear that. That's yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I'm like, whoa, interesting. And the management. Well, maybe she's got something to do with the management. Now, now everybody knows I am uh, generally tend toward conservative politics, and I do not think much of this woman, even though I uh, early predicted that she would be picked before anybody else even knew who she was and before they picked her, because I had seen some bio of her at some point, like early in the last year, and uh, and I said, wow, this woman's got the kind of credentials that could could be uh, great for a national political. I, I never heard her speak if I had uh, actually You listened. actually, uh, I recall that you mentioned her. I was still in uh, Gitmo Nation East. You actually mentioned her as a possible something or other. Yeah, as a vice president. Yeah, but way before anyone had ever mentioned oh, her. February or March of 2009. It's because I ran it, but it was a fluke. But, but as soon as I saw it on paper, and I think this is what happened with the McCain campaign. When you see her on paper, it's like, holy crap. You know, here, I mean, she just had every, it was just a check boxes, one after the other. And I think that still, she still does look good on paper, except for now the fact that she couldn't even finish her governorship. <laughs> you know, she's a quitter. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what we want for president. Somebody I'm telling you, it's Ayn Rand. She, 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 it's Atlas Shrugged. She quit her job. So, yeah, but she didn't move to Denver. She went to Fox. Kind of a switcheroo <laughs> on spot. So, so, um, so I, you know, I, so there was a big special on 60 Minutes about her. Maybe we should play that clip first. And uh, it's a big special on 60 Minutes about her. And because uh, there's this new book that came out that talks about all the campaign crap that went on, including the fact that Hillary pretty much thought she had it in the bag and essentially coasted. You know, she was like the, the, the tortoise and the hare kind of thing. Now, which, which book is this, John? 
What's that? No, now the title it just eludes me for some reason. Was gonna... well, who, who wrote it? Who's the? Uh... There's a couple of journalists, uh, Heil Braun and some other guy. Let me look it up. Because I saw the. Um, it's like a... the big bed. This is the big hot book this week. Oh, well, so, dude, we got to go read that book. Yeah, if it's a big hot book, then we've got to read it. Yeah, okay, go read it. Yeah, well, and you know, you know our mantra. Adam Curry Johnson, read a brand new book for you, or do a little movie review. Yeah, that's part of the service we provide to our listeners, uh, so they don't have to read. Uh, I did see one of the campaign managers for um, the McCain Palin ticket. I think it was on CBS. Real creepy looking dude, and he was just lambasting her. Like, oh, yeah, you know, she really ruined it. She, it, it all sucked because of her. It was really kind of uh, weird. Hey, did you Twitter, by the way, that we're live? I yes, I did. Okay, thank you. Just checking. Somebody in the chat room should know the name of this book right off the top of the, uh, top of the, uh, off, top, off the top of their head. Uh, oh, you're not in the chat room. Yeah, I am. The Ottoman? <laughs> Game Change? Yeah, Game Change, that's it. Game Uh Change by John Heilman and Mark Halperin, yes. Okay. Wait a minute, is is this the one that has uh, Harry Reid calling uh, Obama a light-skinned African-American without a Negro accent? Almost everything that we had over the last week or so comes from this book. Okay, gotcha. I mean, all the the media distraction, you mean? It's a great. It is the media distraction, and everybody who's you know read. Oh, you know there. There was a mention in the book that Sarah Palin didn't know the difference between North and South Korea, or it's hard to. They, no, I no, she didn't even know that there was a North or a South. Is what I heard. I just couldn't figure out that you know what, why there was. Oh, I got to go read this book now. So. All the right wingers on uh, Fox. Oh, that's not even possible. She's a genius. She's a genius. Why would she be that way? <laughs> Well, anyway, so uh, so they had this. They did a Anderson Cooper, who's gay, and I don't like a gay reporter reporting on a woman who is anti-gay because there's an agenda on his part immediately because he's not going to like her. And so I figured the story would be slanted, but he kind of went out of his way not to. It, although, it was, by the way, he's not officially gay, but if you watch, you know, if you read. You know, some of the gay stuff you'll find out that he is. Uh, and in fact, even <laughs> gay, yay, who cares? <laughs> I'm just saying, I, know, I care when a guy is reporting on someone who's over, openly anti gay. Okay. That's why I care. I don't care otherwise. Ah. But I think he did a good job of being neutral, which I admired him for. Okay. Now, um, this part of the story, though, anyway, so they, they brought up the fact that she was a dummy. But this part of the story is the funny little segment here, which I have, uh, which is the one Schmidt or whatever the guy's name is, this campaign director on Sarah. Yeah, I think this is that scary dude. Yeah, he was the guy, the bald guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's the, with, a, with a really, um, he has like a plasticine Yeah, that's it. What's funny is is just this story is hilarious. Okay, you ready? Get it. The prep. So Schmidt and campaign manager Rick Davis sat in on the debate prep. And Schmidt says Palin seemed overwhelmed. Rick Davis and I sat in the back of the room for a few minutes, suggested everybody take a break, uh, asked everybody to leave the room, and and we had a conversation with her. What did you say to her? I said to her, I said, Governor, this doesn't seem to be going very well to me. 
and she assented. She agreed. She said, you know, I think that's right. They flew her to John McCain's ranch in Arizona. Schmidt said he took over the debate prep and simplified it. And Palin began doing well, except for one persistent problem. She kept confusing Joe Biden's name with Obama's, <laughs> calling him O'Biden. She did. She did. Over and over again. It was a verbal tech, and it was subconscious. But when you had gone through the Tina Fey parodies, you certainly could not be in a position where you walk out onto the stage and, you know, refer to him repeatedly on national television as Senator O'Biden. It would have just been, you know, devastating beyond words. So how'd you get around that? It was really, it was multiple people, and I wasn't one of them, who all said at the same time, just say, can I call you Joe? Which he, which he did. That is so interesting because she corroborates that in her book. Yeah, well, here's the here's the thing. Play the rest of this clip because we have the caller Joe thing, and then they apparently caught her saying O'Biden oh, anyway, but only once. Yeah. But play the rest of it because I have a thought on this. Okay. Nice to meet you. Hey, can I call you Joe? So the can I call you Joe, which people at the time thought was some sort of strategy, was really just a way for her to be able to say his name without messing it up. Correct. Absolutely. But one O'Biden did slip out. Barack Obama and Senator O'Biden, you've said no to everything in trying Still, to McCain staffers were delighted. So anyway. Yeah, well, first, uh, she, she does corroborate that in, uh, in, her, uh, in her book. She says that that is the sole reason why she said Joe. And it, but she says it was her own idea, so that, that's a little different. Oh, that's funny. Well, there's apparently a lot of evidence in this book that she's that way. You know, it's my idea, which is another bad sign about her. And I believe that probably wasn't her idea. But anyway, um, if I was going to take sides, because I don't think these guys have a, a really um, the guys who wrote the book are, are biased in that regard. But the because uh, they were slamming everybody anyway. Here's the thing that that was kind of interesting to me is I remember the debate when she says, can I call you Joe? The question I have is, why did they have her mic up? In the first place, she was mic'd up when they were bringing them out and oh, they yeah. were doing a audience. Normally, you, you mic up the audience. so You have the applause. And the two people usually exchange some you know, pleasantry. I mean, like even when Letterman has a guest on, he whispers to him. They don't have the mic up. They had her mic up to make it make it apparent. I think somebody was trying to embarrass her. But then it, it seemed like a strategy rather than just a kind of a dumb trick. And so then no, nothing ever came of it. But I thought it was suspicious that the networks had her mic'd. During when she asked about yeah, you. Yeah, I, I, I do recall thinking the exact same thing. So I'm, I'm not sure because I you know, obviously I don't recall if the mic was up on other deba- debates and uh, and if there was any pre chatter. But uh, it does, of course, fit in line with the whole charade that that are the debates. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> this is, you know, is it not painfully obvious that this is theater? Oh, yeah. No, it's totally theater. Now, uh, anyway, the old Biden thing cracked me up. Now, now the, the more interesting, or I don't know if it's, if it's even interesting, but we got to see uh, Palin on the O'Reilly show where he claimed, I didn't, I missed it. I only saw clips of it, of it. but he claims to have been giving her the hard questions. <laughs> but meanwhile, she did, then she did Glenn Beck's show. I think it was either the last night or the night before. And, um, 
and and they're in some house someplace with with a view i have no idea where this place is it's got to either i don't know where this would be it's a it's a it's like some sort of a set or a house or something and the view out the window right you know you have beck in a in a big comfy chair and palin in a comfy chair sitting across from each other with in some sort of a home and through the window just next to beck is the Statue of Liberty at the, in the distance. <laughs> yeah, because they're actually on Ellis Island. <laughs> so I'm looking at this going, what is this? Yeah, it, and, it, of course, it's a set. It's always a set. And Beck is just, she's getting so pompous, it's getting ridiculous. But but he takes her kind of seriously, but he's he's interviewing her or bringing her in as her for her consulting prowess. And then kind of agreeing where he agrees and, you know, and, and quite grilling her and leading her. He's like leading her. The whole thing, it was the worst interview I've ever seen. Well, but- well Beck is, of course, he, he can't interview. He's a, he's a, he's a, a top 40 disc jockey. And I, I, I quit watching him a couple of weeks ago. And I would tune in from time to time. You know, it's 11 o'clock at night, which is kind of late when he had, uh, uh, what's the, what's that? He had Michael Bublé on and he, the whole, for a whole hour. And it was just like, he, oh right, you why, told me, yeah, you were really irked about yeah, that. Yeah, it would have been more exciting if it just blew him. You know, if I just watched gay porn between Beck and Bublé, that would have been more exciting than this interview because he he, he he can't interview. He can't. Yeah, and what's the point? What what? what it, it, it seems like a jock sniffer from you know the celebrity jock sniffer type with the, having this character on in the first place and having him on for an hour is ridiculous. Okay, so let's play the Beck. There's, a, there's about three moments in here that you just total eye rollers. Finger to go that route with the Fed. And th- it's a scary thing. It, it, it's one of those things that we're thankful for, Glenn, that you're bringing this to light. And um, I don't no, stop, know anybody stop. else. She's crediting Beck with, with starting the movement to uh, uh, audit the Fed. Right. Now which, she credits which of course, him. of course, is Ron Paul. Ron we, Paul. We all know never that. never gets mentioned on any of these shows. So uh, she credits him. And I, to her credit, I think she realized it was bull crap. And so she backs off a, just a notch. And she kind of she, watched the way she gets out of, of, of painting herself. Into well, a corner. You can see the thought balloon above her head go, oh, crap. What did I just say? This is yeah, not so right. Yeah, so back I'm it up and, and let her say that again. Okay. To go that route with the Fed. And th- it's a scary thing. It, it, it's one of those things that we're thankful for, Glenn, that you're bringing this to light. And um, I don't know anybody else who is. Ooh. Certainly nobody else who has a platform or the megaphone like you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have oh. Oh, right. No one has a platform like the congressman from Texas. Take a break here. I just want to end with this question. Is universal health care constitutional? I don't believe that it is constitutional. She's a constitutional lawyer? <laughs> well, you know, th- this is a big harping point, of course. Uh, can the government actually force you to buy any product or service? And the answer should be no. I mean, anyone who's read the Constitution yeah, but that's understands not the concept. what the question was. That's not the question. He says, is universal health care. What if it was like, you know, they were giving you money? I mean, he said the question is, is universal health care constitutional? The Constitution doesn't cover one way or the other. He doesn't say, can the government force you to buy stuff? He asks, it's just a generalized question. It's out of the blue. And she, as a, and he's asking her a constitutional question. She starts mouthing off about the 10th Amendment. Well, you know, this is how it goes with, with uh, television personalities who actually don't know what they're doing. I just fed questions. 
Um, you know, I can just hear the uh, the producer saying, "All right, so you got you got to get into the whole constitutional issue about uh, about this health care bill." And of course, the producer fully well knows that this is you know there's a there's something else behind it. But instead of instead of really grokking to what the point is, he just blurts it out like that. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a question on his paper. I don't believe that it is constitutional. I believe it, it violates the Tenth Amendment. I believe it, it usurps states' rights. I believe that uh, it is, um, aside from the unconstitutional aspect of this, I think it is the most wrong-headed thing that Obama is trying to cram down our throat. And I cannot believe, I know that people are outraged about it, but I cannot believe that those on Capitol Hill are still not listening to the outrage of the people and still want to see this thing so get crammed down ask yourself why you have to ask yourself why they're all throwing themselves on the altar of this the bribes the corruption the coercion the es- <laughs> the bribes the corruption the coercion you've really got to ask yourself what is going on here CIU you break your kneecaps kind of yeah. stuff do you even I said a year ago uh, it was a year ago Christmas a year from now you will not recognize your country mm-hmm. Put yourself back a year ago last Christmas. What does he think he is, Barbara Walters? <laughs> anyway, it gets even better. You won't recognize a year ago. He asked him you were in a coma for one year. You wouldn't recognize your country. What the hell? They changed the name of my streets and painted the pavements red? And there's blood everywhere. Go into a coma. Wake up. Do you recognize your country? Already, this change is uh, creating this unrecognizable system that we're a part of. But, but um, yeah, with the, um, especially yeah. with the health care, when, when incumbents are even willing to give up their, their power, their seat, when they're saying, hey, if it costs me my seat in Congress, it costs me my seat in Congress, I'm going to cram this thing through anyway. That's a scary, scary thing to consider. It's not if they're doing it on principles. It is if they're doing it on for bribes, money, power, position. Labor. I want to know what their principles are then. I want to know why they think that exactly this is right. principled at all. Exactly right. Okay, back in just a second. Exactly right. You're, you're right. You're, exa- you're exactly right. So did yeah. she, did, notice she uses the word cram or cram down your throat about three, four, or five times. Yeah. What is, what is that all about, you think? <sighs> suggestive there and you know, th- there is some some side tracks that we could take from here that that is quite interesting um regarding the health bill itself um as you know the uh Ted Kennedy's seat is open and i guess there's a there's a real uh, fight going on now because and you'll have to jump in here and help john uh the democrats need 60 votes and they have exactly 60 if they keep uh, all all current seats in order to have a filibuster blocking vote uh in the senate and perhaps for the benefit of people who are not familiar with our um uh our governmental system such as um Americans <laughs> maybe you could explain exactly what a filibuster is and and how that works well, a filibuster, if I'm not mistaken, was invented by Southern senators some years ago, like maybe in the 30s, or maybe even before then. The idea was is that you get full, you get a, a uh, you get a hold of the floor, if 
you're like, you say you got a bill you want to pass, and somebody, uh, the Democrats want to pass, and the Republicans don't, and uh, but they, they're not going to get the votes. The Republicans are not going to win. So they, and this, by the way, I think I think I didn't look into it, but I think it was an invention of the Democrats to begin with. But so you get the whole of the floor, and not for just a minute or two. You get you get you get the whole. You get to speak for as long as you want, and so you just start speaking forever. And you just never stop. And when you get tired, you pass it on to somebody else. Say, I'd like to have so-and-so from South Dakota to finish a, a thought. And he goes, oops, goes on 24-7. Just keep talking and talking and talking. You never stop. Well, there's a cloture law that came that into play, which is the, which is stops the filibuster. You can actually stop it and make everybody only speak for a limited amount of time. And But you, to pass that by rule, you need 60 votes. Now, the curious thing about this, according to the people I've been reading, is that that 60 votes is arbitrary. They could change the rules to make it, you know, simple majority, but they won't do it. They want to, they want the 60 vote thing. I think the whole thing is something of a scam. Well, uh, now, the, 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 they need to keep the one extra guy, obviously, to keep 60. to Because essentially what happens when you have 60 in the Senate, you can pass anything you want if you get all 60 people to right. agree with it. Right. It's not that easy. Well, the the thing that I found interesting is, if, and it's actually not an extra guy; it's an extra extra gal, Martha Coakley, uh, who, uh, who who's intended to fill this uh, this uh, seat in uh, for the great state of Massachusetts. Uh, and so, you know, they're kind of like running around saying, "Oh crap!" You know, we got to we've got to secure this seat. So there's a fundraiser uh, that is uh, <laughs> that has been put together by the following. Host committee, members of Pfizer, Merck, Amgen, Sanofi Aventis, Eli Lilly, Novartis, AstraZeneca, etc. The entire healthcare industry is coming to her aid. What does that tell you about who actually is writing this law? Yeah. No, I think that, that I think that's what's giving the Republican a shot at this. Uh, and also the fact that uh, I guess a reporter was not quite beat up, but intimidated and thrown to the ground by trying to ask Coakley some questions. She apparently had a, had a, uh, a some goon as her bodyguard, and uh, this has become kind of an issue, although it hasn't been getting as much traction. No, I, have, I haven't seen that at all. Yeah, they got the. It's on the YouTube. It's all over the place, and that's kind of uh, weird. But uh, mainly because it didn't get any traction. The media is obviously on this woman's side. They're going to try to ram her through. Right. I, I will say, though, that uh, I was doing some investigation last night, and uh, I came across a documentary uh, that I've put in the show notes, along with all of the stories we talk about on No Agenda, noagendashow.com. And uh, I, I was blown away because this, uh, you know, I love to to read stories about Tesla. I love to read, you know, we've uh, talked about um uh, orgone energy, you know, when, uh, it's, it's some of the scientific shit that I, I, I kind of get excited about it and uh i'm uh let me just see where is while my... you're looking at that i want to mention that the first filibuster in u.s senate history began on march 5th 1841 over the issue of the firing of senate printers oh. and lasted six days <laughs> that's gonna be hard for some of these guys okay the documentary is called I think not the documentary is called the rise and fall of a scientific genius it is about uh, Royal Raymond Reif. Have you ever heard of this gentleman? No. So <clears throat> Raymond Reif, in the 20s, 
developed uh, microscopes, and there are still some around today. Uh, he initially uh, developed microscopes uh, with which he could zoom in to such an incredible magnification level with live images, not just like so. Uh, an electron microscope basically takes a snapshot. I think they may be a little bit more advanced than, than that today. But he was doing stuff in the 20s and 30s that basically blows away today's technology. And this documentary, I think, is good, John. I, I want... Oh, brother, this already sounds bogus. This should be for the second half of the show. No, I've got something else for that. 1920s blows away today's technology. That's not even... Well, uh, when you... well it, it gets even better. He developed uh, a very simple concept... First of all, he was able to isolate uh, can the, a cancer virus. Um, oh, which, there we go. Which is, uh, which of course, kind no of no one else has done since. Correct, and and there's a reason for it, and that's really what the documentary is about, and which is why I liked it so much. So, just briefly about his technology, um, he discovered that a, a certain frequency. Um, just like shattering a glass at a certain frequency, which was in the kind of the 11 to 12 megahertz range, if you beam that into the cell structure, it, uh, then these uh, cancer cells would uh, essentially shatter like glass. And uh, and he made these machines. And you know, there's there is documented, and and this is this you can actually look at, John. You'll love the the documentation of this because it kind of went away around 1938, 1939. When, when the anti-quack laws were instituted, exactly, and this was, and the anti-quack law was really focused on his invention uh, <laughs> because he was he was curing cancer. Sure. But, then, but then they go on in this documentary to show how the AMA got involved, and there was this. Uh, they had a, a, a health czar. His name eludes me for a moment. Um, who uh, later was uh, convicted of being corrupt, and uh, and of course it was the Rockefeller Institute that discredited all of this. Um, but when you see this documentary, you will get so angry, particularly, if, you know, j j just for the concept that it might work. If you have anyone, you know, who you know, uh, family or friends who have uh, had cancer or died of cancer. Uh, so I'm, I'm particularly uh, emotionally involved in, uh, in the topic. You just get really angry that this base, very simple technology. I, I, I have to see this. Yeah, it, it's in the show notes. And uh, next, I guess, and next week's documentary will be about the the pill that you drop into a barrel of water turns into gasoline, right? Well, John, you can be as uh, as negative as you want, uh, but I uh, I I like the documentary. Uh, you know, they they had tapes, they have audio tapes. That he that were recorded of Rife that uh, resurfaced in 1999, and so there's a lot of um, interviews with him, him speaking, uh, a lot of talk about the at the time, of course the uh, the national the Cancer Research Institute was started, and you know they were taking in 127 million dollars, and they had spent about 50,000. I've always suspected those guys of being phony baloney anyway. So what's the guy's name again? Rife, R I F E. And um, what's his first name? Royal R O Y A L. It's three R's. Royal Raymond Rife. And uh, the documentary is the rise and fall of a scientific genius. And there's a link in the show notes at noagendashow.com. Fa fantastic. I was I was just I was riveted. Not so mu not so much about the technology, which just sounds so completely logical, but about the depth, the documentation. Um, all the historical um, news articles about his invention, uh, which really was unpatentable because it was just a frequency generator. 
It was, you know, this was part of the problem is everyone wanted to jump in and, and make money off of this. And, of course, this is how it always goes with great inventions. But there was no way to make money, so they had to build these machines and hide the way the, uh, the waveforms were created. And uh, it's, it's just fascinating. It's a fascinating story. But I, I totally believe uh, and I've always had this, uh, this suspicion is that uh, the, the healthcare industry is pretty much keeping us sick. You know, because it's a lot better to uh, be treating people with uh, with drugs than to actually cure them. Because you don't make any money when someone's cured. You don't actually want to cure the problem because then, you know, there goes your revenue stream. Well, your logic's impeccable. Thank you. So, uh, okay, well, we'll look into that. All right, so let's get back to... And there's to a good Peyton, article on Wikipedia about this character. Oh, yeah, Wikipedia, yeah. of course, is so incredibly reliable. And so I'm not saying it's reliable, but I'm saying it's a good article. Hmm. All right. And you can buy Wikipedia rice machines. Only used for, you know, you know, there's some guy that got in there. Usually it's a pro character. I mean, you know, so, I mean, you usually get, a, a, you don't usually get a negative side to the story because there's always somebody like you. That will <laughs> hey, John, I, all, all I want you to know is science. science! <laughs> the science is in, my friend. Everybody agrees. The science is in. <laughs> yeah. All right. So do you want to get back to Palin? Because you still have... Um, no, we're done with no, Palin? No, I'm done with Palin. Done with Palin. Okay. I just thought that the whole, you know, this book, you know, makes her look out. To, I, mean, I, I think it's interesting that she came up with the idea of the Joe and they apparently they think that there's a, a team of experts did. She like blanks a lot. I mean, she she quit the governor's office. I, I think she's a choker, you know, in the in the true sense of the word. I and I don't think that, that she's very interesting as an analyst. She really doesn't really offer anything. But but, no, uh, but she's hot looking. That's not the point. She, you know, she, yeah, but when she's when she's thinking, you know, she her, she, her hotness kind of goes away because you can see her brain, you know, kind of overheating. You know, uh, you know John, you're not, now you're just being like every, every other douchebag. That's, that's yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, say. you know what it is. I'm just why is everybody so jacked up about this woman? I don't get it. I'm why not jacked up about her at all. But Republicans, and it's not because she's hot looking. Why yeah, do she look? Looks great on television. She's got a big head with that hair, and she looks great. That's always successful on television. She's pleasant to look at. She's interesting. And she's just interesting. How is she interesting? What is well, she how can she, is Glenn Beck's interesting? She's interesting to look at. Oh, okay. It's like she's like an info babe. She belongs on Fox. It's perfect entertainment. I'm not saying that. Oh, wow. She she should be the the president. But I will say she does have a tremendous amount of executive experience, and she has done quite a bit of interesting good things for Alaska. And if she wasn't doing it, she at least was the figurehead of the people doing it. And uh, I've read her book, and I was... Which you have not. You have not. And I'm going to read this book, and I, I compare them side by side. I mean, that's just interesting historical fact. I mean, she was uh, the first woman who came this close... To being in uh, you know, in the West Wing, that's that you can't deny. That's not interesting. Besides the fact that it was great television, she's it, not the first woman that got that close. Uh, what's her Madeline name? Albright, the Democrat. What's her name? Not Albright. Um, no, Jeff Ferraro. Was... Ferraro. Ferraro. Yeah, Ferraro. Yeah, but she. But I think Palin got closer. It felt closer. Yeah, to you. But yeah, uh, it's a, but but don't be. It's it's unfair to to say. Oh, it was like her brain was going to explode. That's bull. That's bull. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I said something like that. It was just symbolic anyway. So I'll give. Okay, let's go. Let's turn this around. I'll give you credit. Uh, my son dug up this piece of information. Apparently, when you're watching a movie in 2D, your frontal lobes go crazy in analysis. But when you watch the movie in 3D, essentially your frontal lobes drop dead. Right. So thank you very much. Uh, There's a good article written by uh, Jonah Lehrer. Yeah, send send me the link. Who is a uh, well? It's printed out, so I don't know where the link is. It's you can. He's on his. <laughs> fax, he's got a blog. Fax, fax me the paper, John. <laughs> well, fax it to you. So, uh, but anyway, it was a bunch of experiments done on this, and it turns out that you kind of go into a, a zone uh, when you're watching a 3D movie that's a little abnormal. Well, so I guess this would be the there the two most emailed stories of the week. I got to a point where I almost sent out a tweet saying, um, okay, I've seen the story about people being depressed after watching Avatar. You don't yeah, need that to may be a slightly bogus story, but this one here is more realistic. Well, so uh, te- uh, television is well known um, that people actually believe they are, um, are relaxed and watching, uh, watching the TV. And, of course, I'm talking about the 2D version. But your brain is actually working very, very hard, putting all the bits and pieces together, um, making the move from an interior shot to an exterior shot, from a setup of a story to a sound bite. It's a lot of work. And, I, and, and, it's I, a, and think about today's TV with, with quick cuts. Oh, and, and how about all the stuff that's on the screen? If you don't think that that, that news banner running at the bottom of the screen, that you're not processing that information, you are. Your brain is absolutely processing that. And and the whole trick of television, and I've been in it all my life, and I've had these conversations. We all know how it works. It's uh, some of it called the art of the tease to carry you through the commercials. But really, your brain is processing. Sometimes, if they're really good, there's a setup. And then, boom, the commercial hits. And that's when the information is put into your head about going and buying something. And we've pointed this out time and time again. And not only... Um, is it used for uh, commercial purposes? But it's it's there's all kinds of subliminal messaging. Whenever we play a piece from NCSI or C, uh, or CSI, where there's all this propaganda that I mean, this was known in the 40s. This is what Goebbels did. This is what the Nazis were were fantastic at. Is it is completely used to mind control you, and it really works. This it's it's done for fun. It's done for profit, and it's done for not su- such nice things. And when you um, go into a 3D mode, and, I, and I, I'd love to read this article, this is where I believe it's very dangerous, and we ha- thank you for giving me credit. I've said I will not see this movie Avatar, although I believe it doesn't affect you uh, if you're over 25. I think under 20, uh, just my unscientific poll has shown that. Well, you know, you have like pundits like Thom Hartman. <laughs> Thom Coming out and saying this may be the greatest movie he's ever seen in his entire life. That to me is like the giveaway that something's wrong. This guy is highly analytical. He's a left wing or left winger to an extreme. He's the, a tea party of the left type of guy. And I to 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 come out and say something like that. It was just was the was the thing that that's, that all the red flags went up as soon as he said that. I just said, oh my god, there's, there's something wrong here. Well, I'm looking up. Uh, I'm looking up uh, some regulation here. 
Uh, so you know this uh, this 3D technology, of course, and it was a fascinating uh, discussion on Cranky Geeks the other day about uh, the different types of the you know the shuttering glasses, the polarized glasses, etc. Um, but many many years ago, <coughs> I believe I'm going to say this in the 60s, in the 60s and 70s, um, advertisers were putting subliminal messages in television and movie productions. It was the 50s and 60s. 50s and 60s. It was a you. scandal. It, and it was a huge scandal because, first of all, it worked. So you'd be, mm-hmm. they'd put in one frame of a great big tall glass of Coca-Cola and you'd immediately go, crap, I'd love a, I'd love a Coca-Cola. And they were doing this all over the place. I mean, this is, I wonder if Mad Men will actually get to this in the series. I doubt they will because that would kind of give up. No, I, get, I guarantee the they will. But you think they will? I'll, I'll take a bet on that. So you were around then, John. Do you recall any of this? Any of well, these? when I was a kid. Oh, give me a break, you bastard. Do, so, uh, do you recall any of these scandals? For some of this. I do. I, I remember the scandal. It was probably, uh, I don't remember seeing it. I, at least I thought that, but I started looking for it. I actually can spot these things. And I see them, uh, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I really had very little trouble spotting the one frame. I, and I suppose I miss them once in a while, but I, I, mean, I spotted the, uh, the one frame of uh, my, first, my first viewing of Fight Club. I saw all the, uh, the little versions of, you know, the one guy, uh, Brad Pitt has a little, you know, one frame, he crops up as a little bitty person, and then he crops up bigger, and then he crops up smaller, and he shows up uh, as one frame blips throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And so if you watch on DVD, you can stop it and analyze it a little more, but I, I didn't have any trouble seeing that. But I remember one time, um, and I, I think I was, I don't know when, this was at some point, for some reason I got to, was either in a movie or something I had. I'm not sure, but I remember seeing a one-frame uh, word uh, on the television. It was just it said something, but it was simple. It was like you know, uh, thirsty or I or some just a word, and it just showed up as one frame. And uh, I think there was it was going on for a while, but I, I never. My understanding of it, looking back on the idea, is that it wasn't as successful as they'd hoped. Well, in 74, the government outlawed this practice. And uh, by then, uh, popcorn sales had uh, gone up by 60%. So it's not 100% effective, but it definitely works. I mean, your, your brain definitely sees. Well, uh, there's and other things similar to this that have gone on historically. And, I, and even in the 80s and 90s, I recall. Uh, it wasn't music, but it was some company that would, would play music in your stores. That would have a subliminal message, uh, sub, sub at some frequency or that you couldn't quite hear, but it was in the in the music, yeah. telling you not to shoplift. Right. Oh, and and the, the and, and uh, fragrances are used. There's all kinds of subliminal the, uh, messaging. The Mirage Hotel actually, uh, uh, Steve Wynn initiated this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did a whole series of studies on aromas and found that I think it's banana oil, coconut oil, and a few other things. Uh, if you got a whiff of these, you felt it relaxed you to the point where you felt like gambling more. And if you go into from the from the outside garage down the escalator into the Mirage lobby where the uh, where the check in is, where you check in if you're staying at the hotel, you will get a huge just and they stay, they've never stopped doing this a huge shot of this really pleasant smell that uh, you mm, that's nice. Donate to no agenda show. Like a pina colada smell or something. 
And they've also discovered, by the way, that this, this smell... Donate money to no agenda. Sorry? I didn't say anything. No. Tim always says, So, um, they also found that the Cinnabon thing is a big deal, that that smell is extremely attractive. It's also sexy. Yeah, it is. I, I, I get wood whenever I hear that. I get wood uh, in the morning when I smell Cinnabon. And, and uh, also it makes people want to buy more. And there's a, there's a bunch of this stuff going on. And we sh- you try to be as aware, aware of it as you can. My approach to all this is just go in there with no money. And then, uh, so I'm I'm convinced that this is uh, taking place. I'm sure that there's absolutely no, uh, you know, and and the whole this all 2D television is based on flicker rate and frequencies, and you you can put stuff in and just a a, a micro one frame. And I also I see a lot of it too, uh, or particularly Fox has uh, on not on the Fox News, but uh, they have this one like transition bumper. And it has like a million words on it. It's all kinds of, you know, words that are training your brain to tell you that Fox is great and you got to keep watching. And right, which is, what, which is the, what, what Stephen Colbert parodies on his opening of his show where he has right. all the words all over the place. And then he had a real quick shot. Of the, in fact, you have to actually stop the, uh, the, the tape just to see it half the time. Yeah. A, a quick word when he comes up on the screen and says something like, I remember one Lincoln-esque. Yeah. You know, just some stupid word that, that <laughs> just just right near him and it disappears. It's just a, it's a very hilarious uh, opening, the, the Colbert show. So I, I I don't know if the if the CNN story is bogus or not. Uh, so th- uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's in the show notes at noagendashow.com. But uh, what I th- found kind of funny is the way CNN spun it is, well, you know, so in the forums, people are saying they're feeling really down. The, wor- the, real, the real world isn't as beautiful as Pandora is. And uh, apparently the fix Comic to all of this, world. yeah, the fix to all of this is to uh, make sure you uh, look at everything uh, Avatar uh, related and uh, get the 3D games, kids. <laughs> Go so yeah, and and I'll just say it again. I mean, if you're making a movie that's costing you three, four hundred million dollars to make, and I'm let's say I'm putting up the dough, I'll be like, hey, uh, Cameron, dude, here's what you're gonna do. In all that flashy crap you're doing in the left in the left eye, you're gonna put in. Tell everyone Avatar is great. You're gonna put that in there and watch it work. And it is without a doubt. It may be the top grossing movie of all time. Yeah, I think you're up to one point four billion as we speak. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I guess I'll put in the show notes again, the Zen TV experiment, if you really want to know what television does to you. Then- uh, you know, I think it would be interesting if somebody could just find something in the uh, – somebody's going to have to go do frame by frame on this movie. Well, and- they'll take it out. No, they'll take it out. No. Uh, they'll probably take it out. But you, you can go frame by frame on lots of stuff. I guarantee you it's happening on television. I, I really do believe that they're doing some of that right now. It's just it, – it, it makes so much sense. Who's, who, you know, who's really watching that? Who even knows about this, this regulation? Nobody knows that. Ask yeah, your kid. Yeah, the 70s ask, is long forgotten. Ask your kid. He will, he'll be like, what? There's a law against that? You can't do that? No, he, he won't know that. There's absolutely no knowledge of this stuff. So, yeah, I think, that's, I think it's a, a huge mind control experiment. And uh, the whole push towards 3D in general is just frightening. Well, it's, it's not going to get anywhere. It never does. <clears throat> but it is getting butts into theater seats. And... Uh, 
and just this whole this whole hype about Avatar. I mean, it's a movie. Come on, it's a movie. The greatest film I've ever seen. <sighs> so anyway, it's just a movie. So talking about uh, brainwashing, so I have a uh, uh, one of our occasional drug commercials. Oh, nice. Today. Mm. But this one is this one is so interesting for a number of reasons, including a little piece of a little tidbit in there that I I actually only when I was dubbing it that I'd pick it up because, you know, you can't you just zone out when during these ads. No, 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 John, you're not. You are not zoning out, my friend. You think you are. Shant, this is for Shantix. This is two minutes. They have to, to take some two minutes to do this ad because of all the bad uh, um, aspects to it. Now, uh, my son did some research on this drug, and it turns out to be the most complained about drug in terms of side effects of anything ever put to, given to the public. And the FAA has banned its use amongst air traffic controllers because of the mania that it often causes. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't want my air traffic controllers taking any drugs. Thank you very much. <laughs> so this is the drug. A this is the idea. drug that keeps you. Or it's like you know. I'm surprised you're not. They, they're, I guarantee you they're going to repackage this as a vaccine because this is the drug that keeps you from smoking. But not because it satisfies your smoking thing. It does something crazy to your brain. Wait a minute. Is this that, to stop smoking? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to have to guinea pig this. You should, but they, but we have to expect you to go completely insane. So it's, it's almost <laughs> like a psychedelic, I guess. Who says I'm not on it already? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a better All way right. of delivering that line. Okay. All right. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to open my brain and prepare to be indoctrinated. I need this drug. My name is Robin. I am a wife. I am a mom. And I was a pack a day. Wait, is she hot looking? Uh, you might think so. Yeah, of course. My name is Robin. I am a wife. I am a mom. And I was a pack a day smoker for 25 years. I do remember sitting down with my boys. And I'm like, oh, I promise, mommy, you'll never, ever pick up a cigarette. And Brian looked at me at eight years old and said, promise me you'll quit. I had to quit. <laughs> My doctor gave me a prescription for Chantix, a medication I could take and still smoke while it built up in my system. Chantix is a non-nicotine pill. In studies, 44% of Chantix users were quit during weeks 9 to 12 of treatment compared to 18% on sugar pill. It's proven to reduce the urge to smoke. Seeing how Chantix worked, I wasn't so afraid to try quitting again. Talk to your doctor about Chantix and a support plan that's right for you. Some people have had changes in behavior, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, and suicidal thoughts or actions while taking or after stopping Chantix. If you notice agitation, hostility, depression, or changes in behavior, thinking, or mood that are not typical for you, or if you develop suicidal thoughts or actions, stop taking Chantix and call your doctor right away. <laughs> Talk to your doctor about any history of depression or other mental health problems, which can get worse while taking Chantix. Some people can have allergic or serious skin reactions to Chantix, some of which can be life-threatening. If you notice swelling of face, mouth, throat, or a rash, stop taking Chantix and see your doctor right away. Tell your doctor which medicines you're taking as they may work differently when you quit smoking. Chantix dosing may be different if you have kidney problems. The most common side effect is nausea. Patients also reported trouble sleeping and vivid, unusual, or strange dreams. Until you know how Chantix may affect you, cool. use caution when driving or operating machinery. Chantix should not be taken with other quit smoking products. Ah, 
I feel so my relaxed. Benjamin, he helped me with the countdown. Ben, how many days has it been? <laughs> Five days, Mom. Ten days, Mom. I think after 30 days, he got tired of counting. <laughs> Talk to your doctor to find out if prescription Chantix is right for you. Wow, I feel so relaxed. Now, you notice the commercial had the music that we were lacking music, as you noticed. But it also had this is one of the few commercials I've, of course, it was two minutes. They had two minutes to, 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 to give all the bad the, things, the but they did a wraparound. They did a wraparound with a woman spoiled my son. He wanted me to quit, so I had to because I'm a good mom, which is a piece of propaganda. And at the end, they wrapped it with the, my son's happy. We have count me down and blah, blah, blah. So they had a bunch of happy talk at the end, too. So they so they put all the miserable stuff in the middle instead of just at the end. You know, typical commercial, you know, runs 15 yeah. seconds of sales pitch, you know, 45 seconds or whatever of, of bad stuff that can happen to you. Now, a couple of things in the bad stuff list. Yeah. What the heck is a life-threatening skin rash? Well, no, I, uh, I think that's uh, skin cancer is what, I, is, the, is what I immediately thought of. So you get melanoma from uh, taking this drug? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, it's awesome, dude. Now, now here's I, the other I, one. I like, I like the crazy dreams. That's what I want. Yeah, you're gonna, it'll be fun to see you on this stuff. So uh, <laughs> here's the thing. They, they slipped this in at the beginning. I don't know if they were required to or not, but I thought it was fascinating. And then, they, of course, you, they blew by with all the weird stuff. 44, only 44, you know, this is the dangerous drug. Only 44% actually uh, youth, are successful. But 18% are successful just taking a sugar pill. I know. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to take both to give myself a, a, a 72% chance. <laughs> Yeah. Be 62, by the way. 62. So yeah. it's already uh, working. <laughs> this stuff is great. You know what I? You know what I noticed? And if, that's why I asked, "Is she hot?" Because she sounds just like Mino Soprano. Uh, yeah, you, you'll probably see the commercial. You can tell me. No, but I mean, she has, she has that kind of that uh, that New Jersey, almost bordering on Brooklyn kind of accent that uh, that is kind of a no nonsense. You know, very Soprano esque. Very Soprano esque. That's what caught me. I think it was maybe designed with that in mind. The commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure this is an actress. It's not anyone who actually quit smoking. Yeah, but the accent is is not is not by accident. This stuff is oh, always no, intentional. No way. Yeah, I mean th- th- that accent is such a defined. You know, it's and maybe it's um, tying into some of the reality shows. Um, and 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 perhaps it's tying into an an Italian American market. I mean, it's not by accident. Whatever it is, it was that was intentional, and uh, it still worked for me. I'm like, yeah, Chantix, yes. Oh, mommy, don't smoke a cigarette. Mm. Cool, good stuff, John. You're my pusher. You're my pusher man. Gets me on the drugs. Can I get this on a doctor's prescription or over the counter? Yeah, doctor's prescription, of course. But the thing that's funny is they always say see your doctor immediately. Does anyone ever can see a doctor immediately anymore? Yeah, right. I guess maybe if you live in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, and the doctor lives next door. Will uh, will will our uh, Muvio healthcare plan cover this? Oh yeah, probably. Really? Yeah. Well, you're a you're an addicted smoker. Yeah. Hell yeah. If you get your doctor to sign off on it, you have to ask your doctor if it's right for you. But I think the good thing about this uh, this drug is you can smoke while you're using it. Yeah, I know that's it's, <laughs> until it builds up to some horrible chemical in the brain. Uh, correction: it's meadow soprano, not minnow. Meadow soprano. 
Uh, and also, what was the, um, the the girl from cousin my cousin Vinny? Uh, Marissa Tomei. Yeah, Marissa Tomei. She sounded like that. that was yeah, good. well, Marissa Tomei is quite. Uh, she has a great voice. And if she told me to take a drug, I'd be like, "Hey, baby, right on! Pop! Let me put one in right now. I'm good to go." Loving that. All right. Speaking of drugs, then for uh, for a moment, John, because uh, if the Number one most emailed story was about Avatar. The number two most emailed story of the week, of course, was about... Monsanto. And I actually had this on the list for uh, for Sunday, for this last Sunday, and we didn't even get to it, is um, the study now that shows um, that uh, Monsanto products, i.e. Uh, mainly their corn, uh, is going to eat your organs inside of your body. So, um, yeah, I know I was following this story, too. I mean, I, this study came out. It's kind of interesting because Monsanto usually quashes these things. And, yeah, well, you know, it makes some sense to me that I, I have uh, a the- I have a theory, by the way, but go ahead. Well, OK, I'll just, I, before I get to my tomes, which I actually have printed out um, discussing Monsanto in the 90s, um, I. uh I don't know. I forgot what I was going to well, say. So, so anyway, so the, well, yeah, wait, wait. It makes ah. sense to me that if you're going to start screwing out the genes of these things to such an extreme, because the new corn, I have a tape of the whole Monsanto pitch. The new corn that they've got out has got all kinds. Of, they they like took all the characteristics of all the gene things that they didn't put it into one new batch of corn. All right. And it, if it would like screw up your organs or something, since it kills bugs, I mean, it seems possible. Well, okay. So let me just lay down some uh, some of the, the the facts here. So this is from. Uh, um, the uh, the research I have is the International Journal of Biological Sciences. I think this is the origin of the report. Uh, approximately 60 different biochemical parameters were classified per organ, measured in serum, blah, blah. GM, maize, that's corn, fed rats were compared first to their respective isogenic or parental non-GMM, GM equivalent control groups, and essentially... Uh, three GMOs, genetically modified organisms, have side effects that uh, were eating up these uh, lab rats' uh, organs internally, and they they got really sick within like 90 days. And uh, so I too was going like, well, this is really interesting. You know, this this is a it's a the story's catching on. We already know that Monsanto is uh, company of the year because they're so they're so awesome. And then I also found a story, and this is what tipped me off. It's like, okay, this is now, now something's really amiss because NPR, the national treasure, John, had a story about Monsanto on all things considered. And so this is, of course, not coincidental, but the story is not about the, uh, the GMOs killing rats, and of course, uh, our DNA and our makeup, uh, rats are used because they're rather similar. Am I correct in that assumption? Yeah, well, they, they, they react similarly to certain things that, like right. things that poison us, poison rats, and back and forth. And I think I found what's going on here. So you already mentioned that um, Monsanto was coming out with their Roundup Ready 2 yield. And the reason they're doing this is because the patent for their corn expires in two years. So they're ramping it up now. And I believe what, what, the, what the game plan is, and we can track this. And by the way, we've been right about this shit being bad for you. I mean, everyone's saying, oh, you guys called it. What do you think the jingle is for? Monsanto. And we're not talking.
totally nuts here. I got some crazy stories coming up, but I'm not totally nuts. Um, I believe that they are going to discredit this and then come out with ah, 2.0, new and improved. This is the stuff you really want because it's expiring and anyone will be able to use this old crap that kills you. So now they're coming out with a new crap that is really going to do you in. <laughs> and uh, and this whole story on NPR um, is is about uh, is exactly actually it's about the farmers who uh, you know can't replant the seeds and the licensing agreements. But Roundup Ready to Yield it uses the gene as the original, just placed in a different spot in the genome. It boosts the yield, and I think soon you'll see that we have a new life saving uh, genetically modified corn seed um, that will be. Um, uh, drought resistant and uh, it'll have fix it's kind of like a microsoft product it's like vista it's monsanto's vista is what they're coming out with or windows 7 whichever one you choose that i think is what is happening and that's why they're allowing so that would be the fractal so um mm, i always like was it this a negative that. article in uh, npr or positive yeah um it's kind of in the middle it's just a factual factual yeah. but but the, right. but the thing that jumped out at me is um, uh, that their patent for Roundup Ready is expiring in 2014. And we know that this is the big problem with all the drug companies because all of their good drugs, and boy, they're rocking, all their good drugs uh, either have or are expiring. And so they've got to come up with new pipelines. That's why this whole vaccine thing is in play. So there's a couple articles. I got to get you these articles. Organicconsumers.org. Um, this came out in November 1996. An article talking about Monsanto back then. And it turns out that when Monsanto began this process of turning a, from a chemical company to a seed company, their uh, early, uh, you know, a couple of. Let me just read this. Three of Monsanto. They talked about how Mother Nature has been preventing both Monsanto and Sibagaygi, who was the other big shot in the mid '90s. Three of Monsanto's bioengineered marvels are in the process of going bust. The company's artificial bovine growth hormone, introduced in February 1994, has not lived up to its promise. Although uh, it does increase milk production, the resultant health problems in cattle outweigh the benefits from the extra milk produced, as critics warned they would. In April, Business Week reported that uh, that Wall Street insiders are predicting that RBGH would be pulled off the market by the end of the year. By the way, if you haven't noticed, all your milk says, oh, it does not contain RBGH. They all say it now because I don't think it, from the sounds of it, nobody except somebody in Mexico is even using this stuff. So this is just like a bogus sales pitch as though that you're, mm. you're the one milk company is better than the others. Right. Anyway, so the RGBH was a dog. That says, furthermore, pure, the Pure Food Campaign signed a letter by 10 scientists who have done RBGH research for Monsanto that reveals a 55% drop in sales of the wonder drug between February 95 and February 96. So that drug is dead. After two years in stores, the Flavor Saver tomato is now off the market, which is another Monsanto product. And he headed for the dumpster. The tomato, which was developed by a company in which Monsanto has half a stake, had been genetically engineered to taste like a homegrown tomato, Yay. which is a which is a positive thing, yet, stur yet sturdy enough to ship across the country. In other words, it was... Why don't they make the tomato smell like Cinnabon? The current 
grocery store tomato lost its taste in the process of being bred for ease of packing and shipping, they say in Perrins. The flavor savers problem is that it was developed in California and won't grow well in Florida, sandy soils and a different climate. So that's a dog. Now, this all be, remember, this is all in the mid-90s. Now Monsanto's genetically engineered cotton Bolgard is proving a failure. The cotton, which accounts for 13% of the nation's annual, by the way, using these genetically engineered things for things like cotton that we don't have to eat doesn't bother me so oh much. no i disagree because you're don't wearing that i disagree you're wearing cotton on your back dude this is in touch with your skin i'm i'm against that too that could be very very bad are you kidding me i, I wear silk uh, it's been <laughs> altered to produce a substance that acts as a natural pesticide to three insects that eat cotton but bolgard cotton is not working as planned so this has been going on so they just basically throwing stuff up against the wall it fails it fails and then when they came up with the roundup ready uh products that's when the this company started to take take hold as a player but now if this stuff is just producing a toxic product uh, i don't know what monsanto is going to do next for an encore because they you know i think they've they've shot themselves in the foot so many times from a public relations standpoint and with and i don't know how many people realize that that bovine growth stuff's not even used much anymore. I, I think you're foolish to think that anyone cares john we're way too busy uh you know talking about avatar yeah, seriously. I mean, it's like no no one gives a crap. No one thinks about what's in their food. No one thinks this this is the the scam that is obviously in place. It's it's the healthcare industry work. These guys make you sick. The healthcare industry keeps you sick. That's ready like, for something? Ready? I got an anecdote then. All right. So my wife's at the store, and she watches this person check out in front of her, and racks, the person racked up a two hundred forty dollar bill, mm-hmm. and everything she bought was Hot Pockets. <laughs> That's the breakfast of champions right there. <laughs> $240 worth of Hot Pockets. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Kids love them. Yeah. And it's so good for them. All right, let me uh, let me lay a couple other things on you because I'm getting bored of this. Because you know, we're so over Monsanto. It's like, duh. All right. You know, in fact, maybe we should do this real quick. Just to, the third most e- most emailed story of the week. Oh, gee. And of course, we talked about this uh, this Wolfgang guy who's in the uh, European Parliament uh, who was going to bring this huge. Uh, um, well, it's not a lawsuit, but he was bringing this uh, before Parliament, and now even the World Health Organization is saying, "Hey, you know what? We've got to review this." It, it, my gosh, it looks like uh, the. Hmm, it looks like the pharmaceutical industries hyped this swine flu to sell medicine to people, and it, and it wasn't a pandemic. Oh my goodness! While they are completely complicit, so this is this is the the wool that's being the genetically it's modified wool that's being pulled over everyone's eyes, blaming the pharmaceutical companies. And just to just to review how it works, they had all the contracts in place. All that was needed was for the World Health Organization, the very same organization that is now going to investigate itself. I love that. Um, uh, to say, hey, it's a pandemic. They changed the rules to uh, define what a pandemic is. Boom, the pandemic hits. Boom, all the contracts are executed. And now countries around the world are sitting with billions of dollars worth of H1N1 vaccine, which they cannot get rid of. It's so, you know, done, over and out, the scam. And how many people died in total, John? Like 5,000? 
I don't even think it was. I don't know. It wasn't in the, a lot. In, in the United States, compared it, to a normal flu, it was yeah, like, which is twenty to thirty thousand. You know, right. and so so you know, and yeah, maybe we'll. Get, I don't think we'll get the second wave now because basically, no, they've already said predicted a third wave's coming. No, Have you seen no, those no, 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 no. It's, yeah, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen because this is the hail mary. This is like I blame those guys. No one get you know. Well, everyone will just roll their eyes and go. Well, thank God we're 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 we're, we're reforming we're reforming healthcare. So we'll we'll show those guys. Which of course is you the know. pharmaceutical companies. Now, so so here's the thing that I want to re- re- remind people about. <coughs> sounds sounds like you need some uh, chanting. I need some. I just need a shot <laughs> of a whiskey. Um, that will. You, you that- spotted this the day it hit the news. You hit as soon as that story hit. This was way before anything happened. You spotted it immediately. Of course, you see everything is crazy, but I, I, you, you nailed it. And we have to remind people that, because we played the tapes, some, some, some audio about this. The French, of all the countries in Europe, were the only ones that said this was a bunch of was a crap, and they told their people not to get the yeah, shot. Yeah, of course. But now the British are taking credit for being on top of it. Uh, the British, who put in call centers at tremendous cost and staffed it with people who had no knowledge whatsoever, all you had to do was call up and go, <coughs> and they'd say, okay, stay right where you are. Don't go outside. We're going to send over a flu buddy, and you're going to get some meds right away. You're set. We're getting you some meds. And, you know, can, you know, people, it's so hard for people to believe the the enormity of the scam and the lie when you you know let's just say that uh Donald Rumsfeld of course um has a financial interest in um in the company that makes the uh, the antivirals that were uh, what's the name of it again John the Tamiflu yeah Tamiflu which was immediately prescribed to anyone coming down with the symptoms I know it's hard to believe that you know, and 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 you know that that people would actually do this for financial gain. But please, coincidence? I think not. There really is no such thing as coincidence. It's a, it was a setup from the beginning. Um, I I certainly partially subscribe to the they want to kill everybody. Who knows what they put in the vaccines? I mean, I I, I really don't know. So there could be some some other well, group. We talked that about is, the adjuvants right away, and yeah, re- regarding the regarding the adjuvants, by the way, that was kind of interesting. There was a story here about sharks, and that uh, here it is: the massive production uh, of uh, the vaccine for H one N one is posing a direct threat to various species of deep water sharks. Oh, really? Yes, according to Simply Green Online, caveat, a South African website focusing on green news and information, the sharks are threatened because squalene is, of course, not in the United States, but in the rest of uh, the Gitmo Nation, a key component of the H1N1 vaccine, uh, and that comes from uh, shark liver. That's the best source of, uh, of squalene. Huh. I just thought that was interesting. That, yeah. uh, that 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 news would uh, would come out. So, um, you just got to follow the money. I think you know. It, I believe that over the past, I'm going to say, 20 years, and you see this in the financial industry. You know, though, and you know now we have uh, uh, Timmy, uh, little Timmy Geithner is now basically going to have to. I guess he's going to testify, but who knows? You know, there's there's, there's such arrogance. 
um, that people in power set things up for their own financial. It's typically financial gain or some form of power, but you know, in many cases, money is power, and they manipulate systems and markets, and they're all you know connected with government, and uh, and they get away with it, and and we just kind of sit back and go ho hum. And uh, and it happens over and over and over again, and and you know, and I, I can't wait for people to really start reading this, you know, as the pharmaceutical companies are blamed for uh, the financial scam. Because seriously, it's it's billions of dollars that your, your tax dollars, ten billion dollars of American money was set aside to. Um, to buy, to produce, and to distribute H1N1 vaccine, it's, and no one else is going to take it. And how, and how do you feel now? You, you got set up, but it wasn't by the pharma companies. And, and of course, oh, media did it. Oh, media is very complicit. Yeah, duh. That's the whole system. That's the whole idea. Just look at the people who are sitting in the White House and look at the connections with the companies like GE and NBC and who's doing the reporting and who owns these companies. That's all you have to do. But right. of course, you could just watch it. our show. Just, yeah. Uh, should so we do we a little got- plug here? Because we're like way over time for a plug. So we're, we did a really crappy job of getting any money in this since last Sunday. And I uh, had to deconstruct the possibilities, and the only thing I could come up with was the art. (laughs) You bastard. Wait a minute. First of all, we both said after last week's show, because there is a post uh, chatter that we do that is not streamed and never will be. Well, depends on how much you pay us. And, And I think we both said, hey, we were like really... We were really pretty laid back on the on the donations drive, and I, and there you go. I think the result is that we were just like, hey, you know, yeah, we got some money in, and there was no urgency, and then people like switch right off, don't care, boom, no donations. But you think it was the art? <laughs> the art was so dreadful. We used to have we have a couple of guys that give us art, and we don't credit them enough, and so they have stopped giving us art. Randy Asher, who does the really cool looking stuff, and Paul T, who does those you know the, the conceptual stuff. We even forgot about a guy who used to do those crazy cartoons of us called David Koss, and he hasn't done anything for us for six months because he, we don't give many credits in the show notes, and I don't blame him. And even Chris Engler tries to contribute with photos. We have four people that we don't give any credit to and so we do our own art once in a while and then when we do one that's just unbelievably bad which is the one you did <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I, it, was, it was like a Hail Mary I mean what was I going to do think, so there's art backed up in the archive that no could, there's not look look. If anytime you want to produce the whole friggin show you let me know okay you can't where's, where's the CD with all the th- episodes on it I'm just saying that the art where's was all crappy. the premiums you, you think the art was good that's fine no I'm we, not saying it was good I'm saying it was it was what I could do well, I think that we our problem is that we need to get our artists back. Yeah, well, we do. Oh! It's hard waking up. It's fluoride in my cup. I just need to chill out for a while. What was that? <laughs> I just needed some. I need, I, I, need, I need to go get some fluoride. So you I can, can use calm, some. I, so I can so, calm uh, down. Let's give our uh, call outs to our people who gave us some, some money anyway. Yeah. Uh, including a good old uh, Joshua Judd in Tampa who gave us 165 bucks with a with a note. A college saying, student. A college student. College student. It becomes executive producer. So he's got a future ahead of him. Then we had a bunch of, not a bunch, we had one, two, three, 
for five people who gave us 50 bucks. Gabriel Harper in Linthicum, uh, Maryland. Benjamin Solon in Dover, <clears throat> Delaware. Chris Ruddy, who just wants to hear his name, he says. Jackson Heights, New York. And then Lawrence Fronche, which actually gave us last week. I just have to, I didn't pronounce his name correctly. It's Fronsek. And Otto Gelderman from Amsterdam, uh, who wants to thank you for talking to him. Last time you were in Amsterdam, you, I guess, met him somewhere and chatted. And uh, I'm not above that. I, I'm not above talking to people. And then uh, lastly, somebody gave us $51.04, which amounts to 2552 for each of us, which is a two uh, palindromes. <clears throat> and he says his name came from Big Dick O. Toronto. <laughs> and you don't pronounce the second T in Toronto. It's Toronto. Uh, and he tells us to buy hookers and blow and blah, blah, the same old gag. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. And he says we should stop calling it donations because maybe people think they're given to a charity, which it turns out that we're going to become one very shortly. And then finally, the last guy. <laughs> yeah, on the street with a paper cup. <laughs> the Northampton guy. Um, uh, Gary Turner gave us 100 and he's in the, the UK. That's it. That so, is it? Yeah. Jeez, Louise. I don't care how much of a financial crisis is going on in the world, and it's and it is getting bad, and it's uh, obviously underreported. Uh, which is kind of funny. I, I I I installed the new CNBC app on my phone, and it does push alerts. And like four or five times a day, it's like great news. It's like everything's up. Everything's fantastic. It's, it's really funny to watch. Um, but at, at minimum, and I do have a, a concept here, John, and this will lead us right into the next topic. At minimum, we'd like you to get on one of these monthly programs. And I think what we're doing wrong, John, is we are not taking uh, a, a big clue from things that we are learning ourselves on this program, particularly about numerology. So we have our $5 a month donation program, which uh, at the rate we're going in about 2019 will be a, a solid base for us to keep on rocking. Um, we have, uh, <laughs> and then I will be talking like that old man. Yeah. Hey, well, the number three is, uh, is very magical. Uh, we discussed this the other, the other day where, uh, we had, there was a whole laundry list of how many Al Qaeda or Taliban insurgents were killed in an attack. And it's always 30 or 33. It's just the number three is really big. And I was reminded about this by one of our producer listeners, AJ, who says, Adam, I'm a graduating business student and was just in my presenting, uh, just in pre uh, presenting my training class, um, and learned about the power of three. The theory states that people are much more likely to remember things when presented in a group related to or including the number three. They use the number 30 because three is too little a number to scare us. So uh, fear, slave, you should be feeling fear. And then uh, out comes um, a request from our president. Uh, the request is not uh, that he wants $708 billion next year in the budget for war. No, he asked for an additional $33 billion to fight unpopular wars in Afghanistan and Iraq. I'm like, wow. This number three is really something. So I propose that we that we change our monthly donation number to to thirty. Just make it thirty, and see. So, you know, it's a big number. It's a lot of money for most people to donate, particularly on a subscription basis. But I think we should give it a shot because everyone seems to be controlled into that three number. Three is too low, obviously. 
But, yeah, because PayPal takes all the money. Um, okay, well, let, I think let's, we should let's try it out. Experiment yeah. with it and see what happens. Thirty dollars a month. This is, this do, is a lot less do, than people are going to be paying for a PBS subscription, and it's going to be uh, you know typically what you're paying. Now they're talking about parking meter fees. Uh, Berkeley's just put up. Get this. Berkeley's just put up a. Uh, a uh, new system in the northern part of Solano Avenue where they have one of those machines that you have to put your money in and grab a little receipt and put it on the dashboard. Yeah. And the minimum for uh, parking, now you can't run, you know, put in for five minutes, run in, get something, and run out. The minimum you can buy is 30 minutes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Say no more. We need to do three shows. For that, you must get on the monthly program for $30. The science is in. It's very clear what we need to do. All right. All right, we'll do three shows a week once we get 1,000 people to give us $30 a month. Oh, wouldn't, that, wouldn't, that be, wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, th- then we actually would have like, uh, I, I, you know, I could do it for that. I don't need a lot. I, I, I just need some silk. <laughs> Some silk underwear like John apparently is wearing. Dvorak dot org slash na channel dvorak dot com slash na no agenda show no agenda show dot com. Click on the links there and you can help us out, uh, especially after this catastrophic week. Yeah, this is this is uh, actually this is the worst ever since we started asking for money. Yeah, it uh-huh. is. It's absolutely the worst we've ever done. <sighs> and I've been—I've uh, actually been putting in some extra time on the No Agenda stream. Uh, I put new episodes up of obviously uh, the minute I've uploaded this show, it goes onto the stream. I put up the uh, Dvorak uh, Horowitz Unplugged, which uh, I always enjoy listening to. The Gitmo Nation Roundtable. Uh, I've been putting some Tech Fives up there, and uh, I've—I'm uh, uh, getting—I'm preparing to do my uh, the the return of the daily source code. This, of course, is not very motivating, um, and and I I'm hoping it's just an anomaly. Uh, but will you please, be, John? And it, be, and it could actually be the art. It, it could be, and we should have a big three on the art. Thirty, I mean, not three, but thirty. Well, we maybe want to maybe can cajole our team of artists to uh, reappear. Uh, well, you, know, you know what the big problem is? Of course, now we're going to get four pieces of artwork, and then I have to choose, and, and it's like it's horrible because then, then, like at least one. Can you guys coordinate amongst each other? Who's going to do the I'll art? I tell you what, I've got all their emails. I'm going to send them a note, and they're going to have to coordinate the art. And it should be in three no, D. Right. Randy will send something in, <coughs> and he <coughs> has a certain style. Yeah. Paul T will send something else in, and I'll like the Randy one, you like the Paul one. You're producing the show, you run the Paul piece. And then the next week, you know, we always try to rotate them back and forth and back and forth with these. And people who follow the show and look at the uh, album art, they realize that we've got some guys who are extremely creative. Yeah, it's beautiful stuff. And uh, so then once in a while, we have to kind of throw one together ourselves because, you know, nothing shows up. And I don't think, you know, and, and these guys aren't working for money, so they don't they're not under no obligation. It's all a free will thing. Everybody, in fact, who gives us money is under their own free well, well, will. Well, John, let me, let me ask you a question. I mean, uh, I'm happy of I'm happy to pay these guys uh, for the art. I mean, we're getting money in this. This would be a very valid production uh, expense. I'm happy to pay them for it. Maybe that's what we're doing wrong. Well, once we get it, once we get to the point where we can actually budget, I don't mind doing that either. Yeah, because it's a valuable service. I'm happy to pay for it. 
So but, can, can I trust you to coordinate the art? I mean, this is the problem. It's like, uh, excuse me. Ah, there he goes. Hey, oh, look at I'm holding my fork. Would you mind coordinating this with these guys? And, and dude. No, I'll send him a note. We'll pay him. Well, let's pay them. John, let's just pay them. And by the way, yeah, but the problem is then we still have this competitive thing. We're, they're going to have to coordinate who gets paid because, you know, if they both send us good art, I mean, one gets paid, the other two don't, and then we use it. We'll work out something so it works out for everybody's benefit. Okay. But, but right. meanwhile, somebody sent us some, some T-shirts from Norway, and I lost track of the guy in my inbox. I need to get hold of him again because some, they took one of the posters, one of the art pieces, which was a really good one, and put on a shirt, and it's just an absolutely fantastic shirt. But i got to figure out who did this. So, um, you know, what we could also up. do is you could just put all the artwork we get in if it's if it's decent into the show notes. We could just put it all in because it's all good. I mean, I hate when someone does it like a beautiful job and then we don't use it. I mean, that's ridiculous. I'd rather just put it all in. There. Well, I think instead of in the show notes, we should put up a gallery. Uh, sounds like more work. Nah, it's just a sub page on a web page. I mean, most of these things can be very easily done with a. Yeah, but you, but you want to have props. You want it to travel along with the show. You you, you want people to see it. I mean, that's the whole part gallery. of making art. Okay, well, whatever. All right, let's well, move. How about let's, both. Let, yeah, okay, both. Fine. Dvorak.org slash NA. But you know what? I'm not very I'm not very motivated after hearing that we got like you know 300 bucks. Yeah, well, you know, I don't blame you. So what's and, your, and, I, and I noticed you didn't send me my half uh, this month. What's up? It hasn't gotten to the to the trigger point. Yeah, but yet. I need some money. Send me some money. I'll send you some money. Please send me some so, money. So the uh, now can the, I talk? By the, way, by the way, the five dollar donations slipped too. What people we had, canceled? We're running at a certain rate, or like you know, five or six people a day, and then it would cut right in half right after that Sunday show. Now, now, do you think some of these subscriptions ran out after the first of the year, where uh, they were an annual subscription, or does that keep going? How does PayPal do that? Uh, you know, they, we, had, most people, the number of people that took out an annual subscription is very few. Well, the new, the, the new number is thirty. Months. It's just no, thirty. Take away the five and just make it thirty, because that yeah, it yeah. will work. All right, we'll see. Yeah, well, what else can we do? That's I'm, not I'm, good I'm, to I'm, me. I'm out of ideas. I'm out of ideas. So, um, okay. All right, so now let me talk about Yemen for a moment. Because um, we've gotten away from the, the crotch bomber. And uh, the one thing we really, I don't think, define perfectly, although we have a lot of different theories, is what exactly is going on in Yemen. Why exactly is it so important to be in there? We've talked about the contracts that came due for the uh, Yemen Liquid Na uh, Natural Gas Company. Of course, everyone's got their hand in that. Uh, John, you had a pretty good theory about sideways drilling into uh, Saudi Arabia. Um uh, of course, just the the general military industrial complex, uh, just with more ways to make money. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different uh, uh, of different theories, but I think I finally figured it out. Uh oh. Of course, this is all uh, happening. If you look at Somalia, and you look at Yemen, uh, so right there we have the Gulf of Aden, right? Yeah. Okay. For those of you who are, are oblivious uh, to what the world looks like, uh, fire up Google Earth. Uh, currently, there are hundreds of warships right now in the Gulf of Aden. And this started with, um, uh, of course, with the Somali pirates. And there's all this activity going on. And then all of a sudden, it hit me. Now I know. It, it, it really started to dawn on me when we had this blue moon in December. So we had two full moons 
which is a very powerful occurrence, um, what is happening right now is all, everyone is jockeying for position uh, to take possession of the Stargate, which no, is uh, geez. which is seven miles uh, below the uh, uh, below the surface. It's known as the Aiden Stargate, and it's starting to activate. It's uh, it's got a lot of. Uh, Where did you get this one? I'm in. I travel in circles, and um, what's frightening uh, to the uh, uh, to the governments and uh, and the military is that this Stargate actually can uh, incapacitate aggressive weaponry like nuclear weapons. So that's why everyone needs to get in there. They're all trying to figure out, you know, they're, they're waiting for something either to pop up to the surface or whatever it is. Uh, but it is, without a doubt, the Stargate that everyone is jockeying for position. You, you, you watch. You're going to see some really weird crap going down. And right now, of course, and the chat room's been waiting for it. Uh, we've been using a lot of crazy weaponry, and I will say it, because I think uh, it is possible that indeed the earthquake machine has been turned on. We saw a, uh, a relatively large, uh, qu and it's all in the sea now, by the way. Uh, earthquakes aren't happening on the earth, uh, on, on land mass anymore. It's all happening underwater, first off the coast of California and now off the coast of Haiti. So what, what is the, the time mark for the show? Because my son had made a prediction that you'd bring up earthquakes in today's show as part of some screwball idea. And what's the time, Mark? i got to get it. Uh, I think we're at uh, 1.37. Huh. He expected earlier. I waited for it because the chat room was like, wait, oh, when's he going to bring it up? When's he going to? You know what? You all can kill me, call me crazy. You can say whatever you want. But, All right, there's uh, a whole bunch of crazy websites about this. Yeah, I don't read the crazy websites. This above is above top secret's actually a pretty good site. Yeah, but I, I, I don't, I don't even read above top secret. If I can stay, I, I, I have other sources. This is a part of Harp. And this is gearing up, and they, and this happens all the time. You know, watch what's gonna the next big quake. I predicted for you right now. You know where it's gonna hit? Iran. The next big quake will be in Iran. Well, they do have a lot of quakes in Iran, so it's not a bad prediction. And if you look at what the response, and this is this is all tip off in uh, in my mind. If you look at the response that the U.S. has had. Uh, president comes out and says, we're going to invest $100 million in Haiti. Invest? The hell is that? Invest? Um, we have the Southcom. I mean, immediately, who goes down there? Do you know that the, uh, the, the commander of Southcom was in Haiti when this happened? What's he doing there? In Southcom, we've got, oh, we, we happen to have a, uh, an aircraft carrier, a nuclear aircraft carrier nearby. We're just going to, well, oh, we happen to be here. No, there is something very, very, very strange going on with this. And, uh, and it could be a distraction. It could be a, 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 number of, a number of things. But when you see Department of Homeland Security is going down there, I don't get it. Now, we've occupied Haiti in the past in the, um, I think, in 1939. Even like, before then, I think the Marines were in there in 1908, 1909. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, did, I don't know if it has any strategic uh, importance. It was, it was great for pirates back in the day. 
Um, and of course, there's always been all kinds of crap going on in uh, in Port au Prince. I, I think this was either. Well, and then of course, you know, Pat Robertson came out with a crazy comment. Yeah, I ha- do you want to hear that? Because I have it somewhere. It's pretty uh, funny. Yeah, it it is rather hilarious. Uh, what? Uh, I thought I put this under. Oh boy, how can I not find that immediately? No, I well, it should have been under uh, crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new topic I have. Crazy shit. Uh, here it is, Pat Robertson. Okay, let's play this for you. This is uh, this is him uh, explaining why. Explaining. Explaining. <laughs> he's just saying. He's just explaining. Listen to the reason you know, why. Christy, something happened a long time ago in Haiti, mm-hmm. and uh, people may not want to talk about it. They were under the heel of the French. Uh, you know, Napoleon the Third and whatever. And they got together and swore a pact to the devil. They said, we will serve you if you'll get us free from the French. Hmm. True story. And True story. So the devil said, okay, it's a deal. All and right, all right. Well, who's crazier? You're calling me crazy with my earthquake machine? Who's not here? Who is not I here? I think uh, a lot of you and Pat Robertson. <laughs> oh, I think someday in the future, this is going to be you. He's making a lot of dough doing it. He's, yeah, well, his, his, his audience donates. So, uh, but, uh, right, so. Uh, but, no, but hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Has Haiti ever experienced an earthquake before in its history? Yeah, 200 years ago. Oh, really? They have a cycle of about 200 years for their earthquakes. Okay. All right. Well, the fault's well known. It's a big fault. It moves. Um, anyway, uh, we've got U.S. Special Ops. We've got Southcom, the Southern <laughs> Command, in there. We've got Department of Homeland Security. And they here got, it is. you got there a lot faster than they got to Katrina victims. Didn't here, they? the U.S. Southern Command. Thank you. Good point. U.S. Southern Command is leading the Department of Defense response. Department of Defense. Uh, General P.K. Keene, deputy commander of the Southern Command, was in Haiti when the quake struck. He was just, was it on vacation? What's he doing down there? How coincidental. Uh, Coincidence? I think not. Of course, it's horrible because, you know, hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of people have died. And uh, and I just I just I don't see the I, there's too much coincidence. We've got this. Uh, the weather is really weird, and of course, all of the climate changers are now coming out and saying, "Oh no, no, this is all a part of of global warming." Uh, we're going to have a, a little pause. Press the pause button. The mini ice age for the next twenty years, because of course they couldn't get away with the global warming scam. So now they're just going to switch it and say, hey, "You know, it's a." Uh, it's um, and oh, by the way, uh, these uh, ener- energetic earthquakes—that's a part of global warming. I've got it here. Uh, research compiled by Australian scientist Dr. Tom Chalko shows that global seismic activity on Earth is now five times more energetic than it was just 20 years ago. The most serious environmental danger we face on Earth today may not be climate change, but rapidly and systematically increasing seismic, tectonic, and volcanic activity. This is all because of climate change. The science is in. Science. Didn't they say the same thing about hurricanes and that we haven't had a big hurricane since? I guarantee you the next big quake is going to be Iran. 
And, and it's gonna be. and it's gonna come it's gonna come pretty damn quick. This may have been a mistake for all I know. This may have been an accident. This may have not meant to hit Haiti. Although well, I think it was it, a test could have been a test. I, I think as, as as a test, it was probably uh, probably a, a valid place to shoot it. Uh, Thirty five hundred members of the eighty second Airborne Division is on notice. Uh, it's like wow. I think you made your point. There's a lot of weird coincidences. Why are these all the military guys are all they were ready? It seems as though they were ready for it. <laughs> so, uh, m- meanwhile, well, I'm sorry, I got one more for you. Okay. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, a new executive order signed by our president <laughs> establishing is this Obama or a Biden. No, <laughs> this is O Biden. <laughs> um, establishing a council of governors to strengthen further the partnership between the federal government and state governments to protect our nation against all types of hazards. When appointed, the council will be reviewing such matters as involving the National Guard of the various states, homeland defense, civil support, synchronization and integration of state and federal military activities in the United States. Let me just repeat that. Synchronization and integration of state and federal military activities inside the United States and other matters of mutual interest pertaining to National Guard, Homeland Defense, and civil support activities. Um, Now, this, I think even you can deconstruct, John, this is a setup for a control mechanism mechanism, uh, should martial law uh, be necessary in, uh, in the hinterland. Yeah, no, I think so. That's pretty obvious. And uh, it's just not uh, comforting to read these things. So I got got one that that qualifies as crackpot, I think. Maybe not. Maybe this actually makes more sense. Uh, Are you done with yours? For now. For now. Play uh, O'Reilly uh, interviewing the Shearer guy who's been, you, everyone's seen this guy a million times. He's an ex-CIA guy that blames you know everybody for everything except the CIA, which could have done this and could have done that. And you've what heard what is guy. he? Is he a writer? What is he, what, what is he's he a writer. He's a, he's a CIA uh, field uh, guy turned writer and apologist. And I, I've always found the guy annoying because he always calls everybody sir and he has support and something's phony about the guy. But there's something he said on this particular interview that I thought was interesting and I think we should listen to it and I'll tell you what I thought what it was that was interesting to me based on all the other stuff that's been going on where author of the book marching toward hell America and Islam against Iraq and Dr. Shoyer was in charge of the bin Laden unit one time and in 1998 Dr. Shoyer and uh, a few other CIA operatives hatched a plot to uh, get bin Laden in Afghanistan correct Yes, sir. That's okay. Correct. And one of the people that you were working with, uh, a CIA agent, a woman, was killed on December 30th in Afghanistan by the suicide bomber, the traitor, who the CIA thought was working for them, got in and blew up a bomb, and seven CIA agents were killed. This yes, person you worked very carefully with, very closely with, in 98 to try to get bin Laden. But you were foiled. You were foiled by the Clinton administration. That operation never, never took off. And you say that John Brennan, the chief counterterrorism guy now, was involved in foiling the plot to get bin Laden? 
Yes, that's exactly right, sir. And I, I might just start by saying that the officer who was killed was involved in providing the U.S. government with 14 different opportunities between uh, 1998 and 2001 to, to kill or capture Osama bin Laden. But specifically, in uh, uh, 1998, Mr. Brennan was our senior officer on the Arabian Peninsula, uh, our chief of station. And uh, he, he, George Tennant, and Weish Fowler, who was the ambassador at that time, promised the White House... The ambassador to that, Saudi Arabia, right, in Riyadh? Yes, the ambassador to Saudi Arabia, okay. sir. Right. Promised the White House uh, that the Saudis would buy Osama bin Laden from the Taliban <laughs> and give him to us. And they urged the White House not to do anything for to protect ourselves, that the Saudis would do it. And President Clinton now, acquiesced to that uh, and did not order the CIA, your operation, to get bin Laden. How confident that, are you that you could have gotten him? We, well, sir, I'm, I'm confident, uh, you know, we maybe had two chances out of, or three chances out of ten. But I think the important point on this is we elect people, we appoint people who look for others to do our dirty work. When Mr. Brennan, Mr. Tennant, and, and Mr. Fowler promised the president uh, that the Saudis would do it, we had a track record. We were attacked in Saudi Arabia in uh, right, 1995. Well, obviously it was a mistake, because the Saudis didn't do anything, and bin Laden hasn't been caught and attacked us on 9-11, obviously. So uh, they all made yes. mistakes. Right, what's okay. the point? <clears throat> so this character, I've seen him on and on and on and off all kinds of different shows, this Shoyer guy. Uh, it seems like a disinformation guy to me. And and he came on and he made a, an interesting thing. I didn't realize they had pictures of this woman, the CIA agent that was killed in Afghanistan uh, in a number of the news uh, outlets. And I didn't know that she was involved with 14, according to Shore, schemes to get bin Laden. She's obviously the bin Laden person. Yeah. currently working within the CIA and her with the other people. I have to ask a rhetorical question. Did the CIA ever manage to assassinate their own people who may want to speak out and say something like perhaps, hey, bin Laden's been dead for the last 10 oh, years? Oh, yes, very good point. I'd because love this place with you, this guy who blew up, this doctor who supposedly blew up the gymnasium where these people were staying, he blew the thing to smithereens with some sort of car bomb. But did they ever actually find his body? Do we know that he even did this? Interestingly enough, I saw a report, and I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I saved it. Um, uh, and it was a picture of a number of guys carrying his remains in a coffin, and I was like, and and and. It, and I couldn't tell, I think if it's uh, Islamic, it has to be, it can only be of wood or there's some regulation there. But I, I thought like, wow, I mean, this guy blew up a whole bunch of people and they still had bits that they put, that they bothered to put in a coffin. It was, it was weird. There's something sketchy about this whole thing. And the fact that it was just, you know, essentially just CIA and it was, you know, and they were, and you know, we don't have a true story about how how the explosion took place because we can't get any real information. Let's face it; they just tell us something happened, and we know that there's a, you know, a disgruntled doctor that was maybe turned, or he was a double agent, or we don't even know that if that's true. According to his wife, which we discussed this on last week's show, where we got no money for it. Um, <laughs> we Stop talking week. about it then; it's not working. <laughs> so this last week's show. 
where the wife has gone off and, you know, she had her kind of almost a, a rehearsed answer to some canned questions I didn't think of at the time. Uh, this whole thing may be just a set up to, to actually either get rid of these CIA guys. Maybe there was nobody was killed in the action. These people are going back underground for some other reason to get, uh, you know, maybe get bin Laden or they were blown up to shut them up i mean it's just the whole thing stinks yeah. we have no idea whether any of it's true yeah. i believe that the whole whatever it whatever we're told is completely wrong but we don't we can't deconstruct it well enough to know what that what actually is going on and why do you even do these stories why don't we just get out of these places and, and, and you know let it end anyway i found the whole thing annoying no, I, Sorry. I, I i totally agree john well, just a couple things to wrap it up from my end from uh, back home in Gitmo Nation because we talk about all these all these desert places with camel jockeys. Oh, we can't be interested in that. A uh, bit of feedback from uh, one of our listener producers uh, as we talked about the unemployment numbers, the bogus numbers that uh, the government always tells us where really we have about uh, probably now 18, maybe 20 percent of the, uh, well, at least 20. the workforce is unemployed. And, uh, of course, <clears throat> we talked about the bums who um, – uh, and we say that affectionately because it's uh, you know that's kind of the way they're written off. It's like they're not e- those numbers aren't even discussed. Seven hundred thousand people stopped looking for work. He's like, if there's no work, I'm going to stop looking. Uh, this is from uh, one of our listeners, Mark. Uh, hey, do you, either of you really want to know where these new bums are coming from? I'm a 55 year old Vietnam era vet <coughs> with 27 years of IT experience. I have only 65 days left in my home before foreclosure. Three months of unemployment remaining. My two kids left California Friday to live with relatives and look for work. That ends five generations of native Californians. That, sirs, is where the lost middle class is coming from. Yeah, very aware of it. However, in Gibbo Nation lowlands in the Netherlands, they have a fine solution. Listen to this. They are uh, going to institute... (laughs) Ah, I love this. Unemployed free zones in Rotterdam. Oh, really? Yes. So these will be zones where there will be no unemployment, but of course you can't complain about the job that you will be given when you live there. Okay. Very nice. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Really? Yes. Unemployment-free zones. Yes. Very, very cool. But again, don't complain about... You may not like the work. Sounds Soviet. Actually, he says, it might not be your dream job, but it's a step up. Nice. Um... I did not know, but uh, just to add some fuel to the fire, um, the uh, food stamps, as we now know that uh, about it's close to 10% of all Americans are on food stamps, which uh, is kind of a misnomer because it's not actually stamps or paper anymore. It's a debit card. Right. Uh, do you know who um, the our government has outsourced the debit card food stamp program to? Well, I mean, yes, it would be like Bank of America. Oh, it's better than that. It's J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan. And, of course, now that it's debit cards, you know, they're probably creating this fake money in the background because that's all it is, just fake money. So I'm walking in San Francisco yesterday, speaking of J.P. Morgan. I'm walking in San Francisco, there's all these people all dressed to the hilt, you know, just rich-looking people. And there was the J.P. Morgan Health, 27th Annual J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference taking place at the St. Francis. So I went in there, took a few photos. Oh, excellent. Excellent. That's, a, that's almost as good as a Bilderberg meeting. 
Yeah, it seemed like a bunch of, you know, you know, it was a drinking club. I didn't see any, you know, what was going on. I, I probably could have blown my way into it. But, uh, you well, know. It would have been boring. This is, no, but, that's the reason I yeah. did it. It would have been boring. No, but what, what like happens here is are. If, you go to, um, if you go to the pharmaceutical uh, company websites, you can download the presentations, and they're all like, you know, exactly this. This is what the CEO presented at the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. And basically, this is where I get all my information from, where they say, oh, we've got a huge pipeline in vaccines. We've got a cancer vaccine, an anti-smoking vaccine. We've got, a, you know, by the way, let's not cure cancer. Don't even say you have a cure for anything these days because that's exactly how you get two to the head. Goldman Sachs uh, just blatantly coming out now and saying, yeah, yeah, we were uh, we acted improperly on the sale of securities. Yeah, we, we defrauded everybody. Uh, this, of course, is uh, the now... Admitted fact that uh, while what they were, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, what are you going to do about it? That they were uh, hedging. Um, so while they were basically hyping up the uh, the credit default swaps, they were hedging against it, waiting for it to collapse. So that I just call that controlled demolition. I don't I don't know how to see it any other way. Any other way. Um, and the, you know, it's like, ah, whatever. We, we're just going to tell you. You know, we don't want to give a crap. We don't give a crap. And then this is my favorite. From the Ministry of Truth Department, uh, this has been uncovered. Uh, this is a very interesting guy who I got to look into, Cass Sunstein, who is a, a Harvard Law professor. Professor, uh, who is uh, <clears throat> what is he? Uh, he's in the uh, Obama administration now. Uh, he's the head of the Office of Information and Regulator- Regulatory Affairs. I think that is the actual title for Ministry of Truth. Is it not? Office of Information uh, and Regulatory Affairs. So he um, wrote in 2008 an academic paper, which uh, is titled Conspiracy Theories, Causes and Cures, in which he argues that the government should stealthily infiltrate groups that pose alternative theories on historical events via chat rooms, online social networks, and even real space groups and attempt to undermine these groups. Exactly. And, That's a beauty. Uh, yeah, and I, and I will provide this, uh, this paper in the, uh, in the show notes because, uh, and I actually started, I don't think you caught it, but uh, I started the show off um, with, uh, with a word he used. Let me see if I can find this. Uh, here it is. This was published in the Journal of Political Philosophy in 2008. Uh, And in it states, quote, Our primary claim is that conspiracy theories typically stem not from irrationality or mental illness of any kind. That's a relief, John. No, no, it comes from crippled epistemology. No, we're not thinking right. In the form of a shapely limited number of relevant informational sources. So we just don't have we're, we're we're just crippled by a lack of information. But that to, to define that to redefine that in words everyone can understand, we didn't drink the Kool Aid. Yeah, <laughs> is you don't have the grape Kool Aid. It would be easier if we just said that. And well, we have to. That this is a scandal. This is a huge scandal, and I will give props to um, Mark Estrin, blogger, 
who uncovered this uh, this gem, and now it's being published far and wide. And of course, you'll find it in the show notes at noagendashow.com. Um, and it makes a lot of sense because if I look in our very own chat room, I can almost tell you who the uh, who the government shills are. They are deaf. They're in there for sure. We have hundreds well, of people. I remember during the, uh, <clears throat> the operating system wars between OS2 and Windows, there was a Microsoft had a team of people that would do exactly this, and it was very effective. Although they seem to have stopped, uh, and is noticeable. Uh, but the uh, this is an effective mechanism that's uh, the pro- it, only until you get caught. Although I think Microsoft was caught a couple of times and it didn't really make any difference. So it's possible you can do it just in the hell with you attitude and uh, and just keep you know and just poison the uh, the conversation why not well it happens uh, quite a lot and now everyone of course is raising their hand in the chat room saying it's me yeah, <laughs> it was like it's like the the, the the horn section on the letterman show there <laughs> so uh and by the way i do have a letterman thing it's a real new thing i want to play it at the end of our theme at the end of the show we have a, a, a just a two minutes two and a half minutes of uh, one of Letterman, part of one of Letterman's monologues that explains the Conan Letterman Leno situation, which was a news distraction. So, so you're telling me that it's the artwork that blows our donations versus actually taking the most important spot of the show at the very end and playing a Letterman clip? That's really what you want to do? Yeah. That's really what you want to do? I, I guarantee we'll get more money. All right, um, then I will wrap up from my side, uh, first of all, by thanking you, Brother John, for attending the early service. I'm currently reading uh, Part 3 of Conversation with God, which is a fascinating book, and I will, uh, I will talk about that uh, in a future episode of No Agenda. So just remember, my friends, you actually are God, and you create your own reality. And anything you wish for, you can actually create, because we are all creative beings, and this show never existed. Or you could wish that we're, you know, hugely successful and make nothing but money. That would be good. Well, this is this is why I'm reading the book. I'm like, if I can just open up my third eye in my top chakra, then people are going to send us thirty three thousand dollars a month. There you go. Coming to you from the minimum security containment cell crackpot command center located in Gitmo Nation, West San Francisco, California, still in the morning. I'm Adam Curry. And from Buzzkill Bunker here in northern Silicon Valley, where the sun is still in my eyes, I'm John C. Dvorak. We will be talking with you again on another early service Sunday, right here on No Agenda. So far, uh, did you hear about this yesterday, uh, Conan O'Brien? It's so, so confusing, uh, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Jay Leno used to be on at 11:30, then they moved him to 10, then Conan O'Brien was on at 11:30. Now they want him to go on at uh, 12:05, and then they would put Jay from 10 to 11:30. Oh yeah, sorry. And right. and Carson Daly now got to get a show in Mexico or something. Uh, he, <laughs> he don't know what to do. I mean, he's just. Hey, what about him? It'll make
make you dizzy. So Conan O'Brien yesterday says, well, I'm not doing uh, the Tonight Show at 12.05. And you think about it, well, he's right. The Tonight Show, that would, you know, that's the next day. It's not really the, t that's right. It's like the day after yes. or the what it used to be, the Tomorrow Show. Right. So he said, forget it, I'm not doing the show at 12.05. Well, uh, NBC went back to him, and then they decided to sweeten the deal. They offered him 12.04. Maybe you don't get it, but... Uh, and now uh, the buzz is that Conan may leave NBC to start a show of his own at another network. And I thought, where'd he get an idea like that? And the whole idea of this was uh, NBC wanted to get a thing going whereby they wouldn't make the same mistake they made when Johnny uh, quit and retired, that there were a lot of bad feelings. They wanted to avoid causing more bad feelings. Well, mission accomplished. There you go. I miss uh, Johnny Carson. I mean, by God, when Johnny quit, he quit. And my mom, bless her, she's so confused, uh, last night she actually watched me. <laughs> Seriously, I have a show? You're so far. Good. Yeah. Oh, now this was good. Last night uh, on ABC, Jimmy Kimmel uh, did the entire show as Jay Leno. Right. Yeah, hi. Oh, hi, everybody. Nice uh -huh. to see you. Headlines. Headlines. Jimmy Kimmel was so convincing as Leno, today NBC canceled him. Ah. <laughs> NBC. You can take that to the bank.